the Ghost Goal Podcast. It's a sad day for Chelsea and Arsenal fans as the worst possible outcome from the Manchester United Tottenham game has come to pass. Nuno Espirito Santo is out at Spurs and in is former title-winning manager from Chelsea, Antonio Conte. A lot's changed in the last six to seven days since you last listened to the Ghost Goal podcast, but uh, that's the main news uh, circling around Manchester United's big 3-0 win against Tottenham, which will lead the Red Devils in to a big matchup this weekend in the Manchester Derby as they'll host Manchester City Saturday at 8.30 a.m. I'm Alex, here with Javier. Welcome to episode 328 of the Ghost Goal Podcast. Javier, uh, we have narrowed today's podcast down to four main talking points, uh, the, the first of which has to be Antonio Conte is the Tottenham Hotspur manager. I don't think either of us foresaw this this time last week if anything the rumors seem yeah, to be him going say, to manchester say, I united i thought he was going to go to manchester united i mean i was this was just shocking news and absolutely the worst turn of events because yeah conte at united would have been scary but i don't know if that would have really been the best matchup but antonio conte coming in and taking over jose mourinho's work again like he did at chelsea is scary to me because Mourinho's been drilling this team for two years in a more defensive style, and at times it worked. A year and a half. Yeah, and at times it's worked. At times it's looked good. There's been periods where they've gone on good runs, but obviously Jose Mourinho's words are stale to a lot of players and a lot of teams now, and and it doesn't work at the highest level anymore. Antonio Conte, on the other hand, still seems to be at the absolute you know peak of his powers and won, won the title at Chelsea, took a break for a while, you know, did all that stuff at Juventus, went to Chelsea, won all that stuff at Chelsea, has been out of the game for a while, comes back to Inter, builds a title-winning team at Inter that now looks like they're going to, you know, always be in the in the, in the the title contention again. Bring You know, brings Inter back to, to where it used to be. Leaves there, takes another break for a while, and, you know, so far the course of trajectory of his career has been always on the up. So it's 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 a scary appointment for everyone in the league, I think. Yeah, it, it especially hits hard as a, a Chelsea fan. I, I was saying to you just before we started recording that obviously it's not quite as bad because of, you know, the recent experience of having Jose Mourinho take over not only Manchester United, which, you know, hurt a bit, uh, but then take over at Tottenham, which, you know, t- to me, that came completely out of left field at the time, uh, similarly to this appointment. But Jose Mourinho is Chelsea's greatest ever manager. He He's already taken over at Tottenham you know, had some decent spells with them, like you said, but, you know, never really had me that scared because I always know with Tottenham that this is my own personal opinion. And you know what? Spurs fans take it the wrong way. I don't really care that there are problems at that club that are deeper than just who is the manager. Antonio Conte is coming into a team and I have no doubt that he's going to give them a boost, a significant boost. I'm not even saying it's it's going to fail right away. I think initially he's going to get a lot of things figured out. Maybe the first five to ten games give him a little bit of time there before he really turns their form around. But he'll get things right initially and have everyone very hopeful. But uh, I think his own record at certain clubs, Chelsea mainly, uh, and also Tottenham's uh, record and reputation as a club lends itself to the idea that eventually there it'll get stale coming from Antonio Conte as well. 
It happened at Chelsea. I'll always remember the great 2016-17 season, the season where Mourinho came in at Manchester United, Pep Guardiola came in at Manchester City, and Conte came in at Chelsea. And, uh, you know, he, he beat Pep Guardiola twice in a season. He was the first manager to ever do that do the league double over him and you know obviously had like 90 plus points and a bunch of goals and a great defensive record once he switched to the 3-4-3 it's there will be a boost like that there but it did go sour in the second season where Chelsea failed to qualify for Champions League and you know we had losses like the the 3-0 at uh the 4-1 at Bour- uh, at Watford and I think a 3-0 at Bour- Bournemouth in the same week it was there were some dark times in that second season, and he kind of paved over it with the FA Cup final win over Mourinho's United. But it, there's still players at Tottenham that he's he's going to try and turn them around. I'm sure he'll have success with probably turning around Harry Kane's season, but I, I can just see an Eric Dyer in the middle of a back three like project going very wrong for him. Like He's good, but he's not that good. There are some players there that are too big of reclamation projects for him. And I don't know how easily he can ship them out because no one's going to be wanting to buy them. So that that's enough Spurs talk, I think. Because let, well, no, no, well, no. I was going to. No, I was going to say, let's, Conte's let, taking yeah, well, over at Tottenham. Say, we don't know enough about what that team's going to look like yet. You know, we'll well, well, well let's talk about it. Let, let, let's well, seriously, no, was, let's talk about it. Harry Kane has had a terrible start to the season. Conte will turn him around. He will get him scoring goals, and that that move for Conte will potentially get Harry Kane to we're stay gonna, at the we're club. Going to talk That's a, lot, a statement a of intent. Antonio Conte, but I want to talk about the the 3-0 that they just lost. Yeah, well they were they were just shit and Nuno Espirito Santo couldn't figure out a way to get Kane playing. That's that you that's, don't think that's that, a, that, maybe, I think that leads into that, what that, I was just that saying. Maybe just like a doom project there that Harry Kane's not going to want to stay even if Antonio Conte's there that he's he's already made up his mind at this point and like he's he's already the, I, w- the fans I wouldn't already... rule it out. I wouldn't rule I it know. out, but I, I would. I would flip that question on you. Do you, do you really not agree that you know Antonio Conte is a big enough statement of intent that Harry Kane could potentially just be persuaded to just stay there and put his full focus and attention into into Tottenham because Manchester City are probably going for Holland next summer. They, uh, that was probably the last win, uh, window of opportunity for him to go to City, uh, unless Holland goes elsewhere, but. The, the opportunities for him to have, get a big money move, they might dry up next summer. We, we really don't know. So getting a manager like Conte, and I think we haven't mentioned really the the role of uh, Paritici, the uh, the footballing director that Tottenham brought in over the, over the summer. He worked with Antonio Conte at Juventus. He was the one who made contact with uh, Conte in the summer and was turned down because of the sort of what was up in the air around the Kane transfer. We still weren't sure if he was going to be there or not. And Conte had already, you know, fallen out at Inter over, you know, Lukaku's sales. So he just didn't want to go through that again right away. Uh, now now Kane obviously can't move until, you know, January at the very earliest, more likely next summer. And, you know, Conte's got, you know, seven or eight months here to, you know, put together a team. And I think the ceiling for them isn't quite the league title, just because I don't think they have the, the, the players for that. But Conte, I, he could certainly get them back into the yeah, top yeah, four. I think he could get them. Is that crazy? Place. No, I don't. I don't think that's crazy. Did like did Manchester United just shoot them in, themselves absolutely. in the foot? Well, that's like, why I wanted to talk about old... it because even though Manchester United had a drastic change, like we said, they needed to do. You know, they changed everything up. Ole went with a new formation. 
you know, he played a 3-5-2 with Cavani and Ronaldo up front. You know, no Pogba in midfield. Um, but he played McTominay, Fred, and Bruno. And uh, and Shaw and... and Shaw is just so much better as a wingback, I think, than than it, when he's in a back four, like when he plays for England. You know, Manchester United looks so much better, and, and United fans are very excited after that victory, thinking, you know, this could be the a way to salvage our season. But at the same time, I, I, I think don't, I don't th- I don't think you could take any way away from that. I was going to say at the same worth. time, the, the so this is such a, a pyrrhic victory, you know, because they they should have been getting Antonio Conte. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're beating this team three nil, and you think that. Just because you got a formation change, it's going to change your entire season. I, I honestly think that it's putting tape over like a running water and thinking that everything is fixed because the the leak isn't leaking right now. But you know, in a few weeks here, I could easily see just even in this next game when they play against Manchester City, if Manchester United get blown out again, it's back to square one for them. So yeah, I mean, if if that's Chelsea that get beaten five nil at home by their biggest rivals. And, you know, you've got Spurs coming up next that, you know, could also be on the precipice of firing their manager and looking for, you know, the same guy you're looking at. Chelsea fired their manager. Actually, you can look back to, to January. Chelsea were, you know, some, the some bad people result may, may happened, a bit too ruthless firing United. Lampard. But, like, they should have fired him. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that Chelsea knew that, you know, there were other teams like Tottenham. Similarly, they were about to fire Mourinho. There were other teams that were about to be in the market for a new manager. And there was one guy that like jumped off the sheet of managers who were, you know, out of the job. And that was Thomas Tuchel. So Chelsea went and did it. And that obviously led to great things. United have, you know, have stood by Solskjaer, which, you know, most people would say is like kind of admirable and what there needs to be more of that. But in terms of like your best chance of success, I think I'm biased, but I think the Chelsea way is better. So, yeah, I really think United should have just been more cutthroat, fired Ole right after the 5-0, gone and got Conte. Yeah, maybe he's not ready for that Tottenham game, but over the long term, preventing Tottenham from getting a manager of that quality after you beat them, like, it's uh, it's somewhat of a big three points for Manchester United because they really needed it, but they didn't really have to be that good to get it. They could have, you know, fired Ole and brought in uh, Conte, but they didn't make the move and, you know, Spurs end up doing it. So uh, we sh- we really should talk about this uh this next match for Manchester United. They did have a they did have a Champions League game in midweek. They uh, came from behind uh, twice against uh, Atalanta in Bergamo uh with two great Cristiano Cristiano Ronaldo goals uh to draw 2-2 and stay top of their Champions League group. But this weekend they're going to host Manchester City, who, you know, have had some rough league results of their own, but I, I would still say they are solid favorites going into the the, the early kickoff on Saturday yeah, morning. I mean, that, that, Where are you kind of leaning in that this game? I'm losing two nil to Palace was was very surprising, and Crystal Palace played very very well. So, I, I mean, I know that they had a red card, but they were already down one nil at that point, and and Palace were were playing pretty well. I mean, they they. They stayed in that game the entire time, and the red card was also like kind of bullshit. Yeah, it kind of was. The same thing happened in the. Uh, well, actually, I guess it's what your your opinion on those kind of fouls is. But the same thing happened in the Arsenal Leicester game when Johnny Evans like uh, just kept a hold of Aubameyang in the, in the second half on one of the, one of those plays. And right, exactly. You just want consistency on that on those types of yeah, calls. So. 
kind of unlucky for City. But yeah, like you said, Crystal Palace were just amazing out of nowhere. I guess Crystal Palace do well going to the Etihad. I have to make note of that for the future. They've got two wins in the last three or four years there. So, But I, I still don't think that really has an effect on my opinion of Manchester City going into this game. I, I just haven't seen enough from Manchester United over the course of 90 minutes in the last two or three games to, to really be convinced that they can beat Manchester City. City tend to up their, their level for these games. Yeah, they get called out by teams like Palace and Southampton every now and then, but for Manchester Derby, I I just think like the Fodens and the Grealishes and the De Bruynes of, of the world, they're, they're, they're going to show up for that game. They played pretty well today against uh, uh, Bruges and one four one, so no, I I agree with you, and I think this might be the type of game that United are going to need to damage control. You know, they don't want to lose this game badly. If if it's like a two one loss, it's not the end of the world. But if they lose this three or four nil, get blown out again, then you know whatever grace you bought with that Spurs win is suddenly thrown out the window and. You know, United still have another month of hard games here, so it, it, it's not, it's the, you know, they play Chelsea soon, they play Arsenal soon. It's not, it doesn't really get that much easier for them, so. Yeah, and they still have a, a big Champions League game. They have to go to Villarreal next, so, and I think they're just a point ahead of Villarreal, so that, that they can't really rotate that heavily for that game. So, yeah, this is, this is a big one for them, but I, I, I would agree that if, they keep it respectable, and I, I think they could even manage a draw on this. I, I was kind of torn over whether I would pick the the city win or the just the draw in general because because well, it is at Old Trafford, you, so yeah, it's at Old Trafford. You you cannot deny the momentary impact that Cristiano Ronaldo has on games. Yeah, he's not he's not pressing. That's fine. It really is because and United as a team don't seem to be playing that well when you watch them over the full 90 minutes. The Atalanta game was was rough the other day, but they're capable of just putting together a couple of excellent team moves like they did for the, the first goal where Greenwood plays a great ball into Bruno and Bruno just rather than take a shot himself, just you know cuts it right back to Ronaldo to, to fire home. And, and Ronaldo himself, you cannot criticize him. They would probably be bottom of their Champions League group without his goals so far. It's uh, it's really their, their their main their main output right now. I think he's responsible for fifty percent of their goals in all competitions this season. Like to put that into context, Chelsea. I think the Cobham graduates, the the, the academy graduates of Chelsea. There's been a ton of them that have scored this year. Mason Mount, Callum Hudson Odoi, Reese James, plenty of others. Trevor Chalaba. They're only they've only accounted for like thirty percent of our goals. Yeah, but like I don't, so, I, I don't, I don't know. Like if that that's... just shows how reliable, like how much they rely on Cristiano Ronaldo. It's if if there's one injury or something in the game, no, because see, I don't, yeah, they'll I don't, change I don't, how I don't they play. That. But yeah, I don't believe that. I think they'll change. No, no, how I'm, they not, play I'm not completely discounting the other players on the team. But right now, I'm just saying when but he's in the team, they, this, the way Alex. they play, when they Cristiano are very Ronaldo reliant is on, on your him. team, you have to play him, right? That's number one. So. If that's the baseline, you have to play this player. Then you that means you have to play the entire team based around him because he's the first player on the team sheet and he's the most important player and everything goes through him. So yeah, he, obviously he's not failing. No, he's not. But what I'm saying is, when you do that, 
so far in the last couple of seasons, it hasn't shown like that that's going to win you a title. They barely made Juventus top four when he scored 29 Yeah, yeah but that's, goals. that's not the question right now. The he question is, do you think they can get goals. a result against City? No, I don't think so. I think City win 2-1. You jacked my result. I'm, I'm going to stick by it anyway because I'm so... I think I'm sure of it now. Yeah, 2-1. 2-1 Manchester City. The 3-4-3, I do want to hit on that very quickly. It could even be 2-0 two, two, two City because... I could see Manchester United not getting the ball at all and just having like 30% possession or 35% and City just absolutely tearing them apart because... This, oh, well, no, this, I anticipate that. This United but, you know, side or not... pieces still exist. When, yes, but when Christian... Exactly, and that's why maybe they'll get a goal and they'll play on the counterattack, but you know that the way that Rodri's been playing this season, he's been snuffing out a lot of those counterattacking teams and a lot of those, those opportunities, um, and I think that... They're not going to be down to 10 men in this game. You know, I think that, that, like I said, Pep still has shown that he's a fantastic manager and gotten players like Bernardo Silva, who last season seemingly was maybe out coming, going out the door. There were rumors that he was going to be leaving over the summer. He wasn't that great last year after being their player of the season the year before. Already now he seems to have adapted to a new center mid type role where he's just as tireless as he was two years ago and looks just as amazing as he did before. So Pep Guardiola is still an amazing manager, can still turn players into and, – and I'm excited to see what he turns Grealish into eventually, you know, because as of right now, the Grealish who was on Villa was was better and more exciting than I, than the one on City right now. But I think it's going to take some time for, for that to, to change and adapt. But, you know, this this City team There's is There's no black evolve. and white answer to that one. Yeah. Because, because Grealish has been good for them, but – it's more of like a, a chemistry slash balance question. And that only comes with games played. Uh, you know, Foden years ago, like two or three years ago, was probably good enough to be playing about as much as he is now. But he was slowly sort of like worked in and they found the right balance for where to play him and which players to combine him with. And, you know, that combined with his youth kind of demanded that. But... I just want to go back to Rodri real quick because, like I said, with Manchester United's three-four-three, the benefits that that will have for Manchester United defensively, I think, aren't going to be they're not they're not going to be that big because Manchester City, when they play with Rodri in a four-three-three, and Rodri is sitting at the base of the midfield, yes, he stays in midfield when they have a ton of the ball, like kind of anticipate they're going to in this game. But he also has like a great knack for just knowing when to just shift back when, you know, Laporte and or Stones or Diash need to make cover out on the wide areas on counterattacks. He knows exactly when to drop in and basically make Manchester City into a back three as well. And a back three of Stones slash Diaz, Rodri and Laporte, that's, I think that's good enough for the most part to snuff out most of those Manchester United attacks. So well, Laporte got red carded, right? So he's not going to be here. Oh, true. Yeah, and that, yeah. Okay, so he won't be in. But I mean, even then, Stones. I don't know. Stones and Diash isn't bad. Varane looked a, excellent in a back three. I think that's that might be. Yeah, a but he's out for a month. Is he out? For he's a out month? injured. That's pretty big. That's pretty big. Uh, the, the one that stood out in the Atalanta they, game was they, actually uh, Eric Bailly came in and he was just covering for Maguire. He was just making up for all of Maguire's mistakes for 90 minutes. So Maguire is the big issue now. He is, I mean, I sound like a broken record here. He's playing injured. And on top of that, it's causing him to play like complete shit. So 
They're, yeah, United are going to have to find a way to, to, to cover for him significantly because Manchester City will for sure be, uh, you know, focusing or targeting him uh, for most of the game. Uh, that that game is going to be Saturday at 8.30 a.m. We both say 2-1 Manchester City. Uh, there is a game Friday at no, 4 I'm, p.m. I'm that say, I just want to mention. I'm going to say 2-0 City, actually. 2-0? Yeah, okay. City a clean sheet. I'll stick with 2-1 Manchester City. There is a game on Friday at 4 p.m. Southampton hosting Aston Villa. We don't really have time to like, really preview that one. Don't have a ton of time for previews in general today. So let's just uh, move right along. Uh, the Saturday 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. game, since the clocks went back in England and not here. Uh, Brentford hosting Norwich. Chelsea will host Burnley, which, uh, you know, kind of anticipate a win for the, for the Blues in that one. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Crystal Palace will host Wolves. And to close out Saturday, Newcastle will travel up to Brighton, still without a new manager in Newcastle That Palace-Wolves game should be pretty fun. I'm looking forward yeah, to that one. Yeah, very fun. Wolves are in very good form. Palace are as well. Should be a good if one. I was uh, if I was going to give advice to a neutral, I would say uh, watch that Crystal Palace Wolves game over Chelsea Burnley. But you know that may go without saying. Sunday we've got a nice little nine a.m. slate of games as Arsenal will host Watford. We'll uh, we'll stay on this one for a second just because uh, I have to pay the piper. After saying there was uh, no chance of Arsenal... Is this Arsenal, our talk, Alex? Are we uh, sitting down right now? Is this what's going on? We're going to sit down for a chat? Yeah, we're, we're, we're having a little chat, Javier. Okay. Uh, we, need, we need to talk. I'm pulling on my chair. <laughs> After uh, saying that there was no chance that Arsenal win at Leicester City last week, and I think it might have even said that there's no way they keep a clean sheet, uh, I have to eat a little bit of humble pie, which is uh, why I'm coming back this week... And I'm picking a 3-0 Arsenal win at home at the Emirates. Arsenal Stop it, back. Alex. No, Arsenal Alex. are back, no, no, Javier. No, 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 no. This you guys is not how this was supposed to go. You guys finally you have a spine. You turned this on me. No, you were Aaron supposed to Ramsdale apologize. Is the best but you were going to say that league. it's going to be a really difficult game and it's going to be a draw. Because no, no, no. Ranieri it's has not. turned the Watford team around. Watford shit, Javier. Come on, you know this. Uh, yeah, they lost 1-0 to Southampton. So Yeah. At home. And you guys have a defense now. Aaron Ramsdale is the best goalkeeper in yeah, the league. The He's got the Josh save King of the season so far. He does. You've got Gabrielle. You haven't been listening to me when I've been spouting about Ramsdale. You've just Thomas, been thinking, Thomas Partey. You've been thinking that I've been going crazy right now, Alex. I, I, you're putting words in my mouth. I'm uh, I'm finally agreeing with you. Emil I'm Smith saying Rowe, you guys proved remember? it. You Who, went to Leicester. Nobody stopped Emil Smith You played well Rowe. for 20 minutes, and then you hung on, and you played well defensively, and you kept them out. And that's impressive to me. That's what we did at Brentford. We, we, yeah, I mean, it was against a better team. So good job, Arsenal. You guys finally have a spine. You have a defensive identity and solidity. Gabriel, it it wasn't a a clean sheet at someone like Burnley or someone like that. You went to Leicester and they created a bunch of chances, but Ramsdale was just better. Talk to me about that, that Ramsdale save on Madison. And why is it save of the season so far? I mean, that, that that ball was in the top corner. I I I thought it was in. To be honest with you, and to save it onto and the then bar he had the and follow up save on Evans. Yeah, he had the follow up save too, which made that's it just what makes even, a goal the even, save of the season better. So, yeah, and I mean Ramsdale, like like I said, he's. I mean Leno even had to like applaud that because, you know, he had to smile and 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 applaud how good that was on the sideline. I I think that this is what Arsenal needed to be able to... Wait, isn't this what you wanted? You, you, you seem so nervous now. Watford at home, you... Oh, no, I'm not you, nervous about the Watford game. It's the game you should that, absolutely Alex. beat them handily now. Yeah, you just I beat think Lester, we'll beat them. Lester I mean, we don't need to talk about that game. I mean, I think we'll win 2-0. 
keep another clean sheet. I don't think Josh King or I mean Ishmael Asar, he's dangerous, but Ramsdale will score will be able to keep out all his, you know, near post bullshit that he likes to do. Um I'll say two nil Arsenal on that. But I'm 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 more you know, we can talk more about Arsenal if we get the comfortable win against Watford, you know, when we play Liverpool next week. But yes, Alex, thank you for paying the piper and acknowledging that we were we were we were very good. I mean that was another I I said it that I thought that the Villa performance was the one of the best performances I've seen under Arteta, but this was just as good in terms of the grit, the the spirit in the team, like you know the way that we were able to. For the first twenty five minutes, we went to Leicester and dominated. I mean, it was. I know that Arsenal have been starting well almost every game this season. Even those three losses we started the game well in those first twenty twenty five minutes, we just didn't get finish our chances in those games and then fell apart later. But it seems like now that the that that seems to always be the game plan, right? Like start the game really well and then manage the game from there. And I think that's the biggest growth that I've seen in this team is learning to manage the game, learning to limit your opponent to shots from outside the box or free kicks or, or corners. And, you know, for the most part, we we still created the best chances like it, it, it seems like. For, I don't know. They had some very good chances. Oh themselves. no, they did. They did. But it was it was really just the. Free I think kick. the expected goals for the game was something like two for Leicester and like point eight five for you. Uh, that so, that means really nothing to be honest because. Okay, so okay. they All took right, a bunch Javier, of. They, they, you Leicester, use expected goals when it does mean something. No, to you, no, but, no. Expected goals, I would say, is no, important. I'm not, I'm not over saying like a that, that means. I'm not saying that that means Leicester should have won two one. That that's definitely not what I'm saying. It, seriously, not at all. What it means is that you guys obviously got out to the early lead. You played like you said. You played really well the first twenty minutes. Got out to the early lead, and then you you know your capabilities and your strengths from that point. You have Gabrielle and Thomas Partey playing out of their minds at the moment. And we've already mentioned ah, Ramsdale. The only what happened, Alex? To Tielemans running the no, midfield. I, I mean, I was going to say I was going to wait for the West Ham Liverpool thing, but I, I think. I mean, this weekend has, you know, I've really taken a hit on the Tielemans over Rice take because uh, Rice is playing like uh, just a world-class dominating midfielder so at the good. moment. I, I don't know. I, for me, he's, yeah, he's amazing. Uh, but at the same time, just to keep the link to this Arsenal-Leicester game, I didn't think Tielemans was bad. I think the whole Leicester team was just kind of suffering in their own sort of like intensity those first like 30 minutes against you guys. You guys were beating them to every 50-50 ball absolutely murdering them on the counter, getting out into spaces while they weren't tracking back, which I, I don't blame Tielemans for. But in the second half, and probably more towards the end of the first half, Tielemans did start to take over as, you know, Partey, and this isn't, a, this isn't a dig, this was the right thing, he should have done this and he did this very well, Partey started to drop in a lot more to read those crosses, and he did an excellent job at cutting I a bunch of them out. I have a question for you. This was my follow-up, and you didn't let me finish about the expected goals part. Do you remember... The best. What was the best Leicester chance of the second half? You watched the game, right? Yeah, the best chance of the second half for Leicester was either the Barnes chance, like early in the second half, that he, put he straight at the keeper. No, no, he put it. And it was just wide on the right. He made oh, a great yeah. run okay. off a combination yeah, yeah. and then hit a left-footed shot that just missed right. And then there was another one. I think it was. I can't remember the player. It was either Lookman or. Maybe Ian Aksha before he came off. One of those two, they had a chance on the, the right side that they tried to blast near post and Ramsdale just made himself big and it hit him in the chest. That was the one they hit straight at him, right? Yeah. And, and, and I think the, in the build up to that, 
uh, Madison had like a back heel flick that like played in Lookman, and that's what what got him the shot at the near post. Th- those are those are good chances to me, and th- so, there are other ones as well. But like, I think the biggest chance of the second half was Aubameyang six yards out and Schmeichel making a kick save on the line, like off of that corner. The yeah, but you're, you're comparing chances. Post. I'm talking about just the overall like way the game Arsenal, shaped yeah, out. Leicester had Arsenal the ball and still, were pushing to get back into it. Yes, and there's nothing were. wrong with that. But I think you're the chances that they created were while like they like added to their expected goals weren't really that good chances. Do you, you know no, what no, I mean? I think, I think they were pretty good. Yeah, like Ramsdale had to have the the best game of his Arsenal career so far for you guys to keep a clean sheet. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, but, that that was a Mendy versus Brentford level like performance from him. He was absolutely amazing. But yeah, I mean, going into the spot for game, you already said 2-0 Arsenal. Uh, I think as long as Partey, Gabriel and Ramsdale are fit, you guys are going to be very formidable defensively. But the problem is Gabriel and Partey, maybe Partey you could classify as injury prone, but Gabriel does get a few injuries here and there just because of his style of play. He's so physical and uh, so proactive with how he defends that. Uh, yeah, but you, honestly, you guys... the the one that we do have Ben White, I think, would be the one we would miss more because of, no, I don't think so. Because ben we White's have good. I'm not trying to slag him off. No, I know. But we have Holding, we have Rob Holding, who's a similar type center back physical, you know, not as good on the ball as Gabriel, but he's still a, a decent replacement as if he has to step in a game or two in, in, in place of him. Yeah, I, I think that's it's kind of. Even Kieran Tierney. That's not stressing how good Gabrielle has been. Yeah, it's not. Why do I have not. to hype Gabrielle up? No, like, Gabrielle's, I mean, he's been amazing. I'm just, I, I I, haven't praised him enough. You're right. You're right, Alex. Yeah, plus he scored the first the first goal. Like, we're not even counting that. He, he's a pretty significant set-piece threat as well. He just needs to stay fit, which, you know, he's young. He can he can do that, and he can start Crazy that this statistic. season. Crazy statistic. Arsenal now scored five goals from set-pieces this season. Uh, we only scored three from set-pieces all of last season. So, welcome to the club, Javier. Welcome. We are now a threat from set pieces again. I think one behind Chelsea. Chelsea has scored six. Well, let's move on to uh, some of the other previews. The Everton Tottenham game will also be going on Sunday at 9 a.m. That will be Antonio Conte's uh, second matching charge because uh, Tottenham have not played yet in the Europa Conference League. Let me see who they will be playing. Yeah, they're going to be hosting Vitesse Arnhem, who they uh, lost in their previous group game of the Europa Conference League uh, when they went on the away leg. So uh, we'll see how Conte approaches that one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he just straight up plays his best team in that to try and you know get an idea going into this Everton game on Sunday of what his best Tottenham team uh, should be. So throw rotation out the window for a little bit here because Antonio Conte does not like rotation. Uh, he likes to find his best players, stick with them. If there's an injury or significant fatigue in a player, then yeah, he'll rotate one or two in and out. Uh, but otherwise, he's going uh, full blast all the time, uh, which I, I think will lead to a Tottenham win at Everton, especially considering Everton have really dropped off the last uh, couple of weeks. A really pitiful performance at Wolves on Monday night, losing uh, 2-1, but frankly, it wasn't even that close. Uh, what are you thinking for this Everton-Tottenham game on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I think that the new manager bump should should be in effect here, and I think Nuno just didn't work. His tactics didn't work and what he wanted to do, and yeah, I'm, I'm scared of what Conte's going to do, so... Well, I can say, tell you right now, he's going to do I'll some form... 3-1 Tottenham. 
three one. Okay. I'm thinking he's going to do some sort of knockoff of the Inter three five two that he, uh, you know, was so favorable towards uh, while in Syria. He would play Lautaro Martinez and Romelu Lukaku uh, and really try to get them out in space on the counterattack. But with Harry Kane and Hyunming Son, I think he can get both of them more, more significantly Harry Kane back to uh, close to their best. The rest of the team, he's he's got options at least. They're not great options, but he's got like different players he can play in and out. I mean, Emerson Royale may stay in the the team at right wing back, maybe even Matt Doherty. Uh, left wing back, probably Sergio Regulon once he's once he's fit, uh, and then the back three. I think we're going to see an early Eric Dyer and middle center back, uh, you know, project. We're going to see that. We're going to see gross. Uh, Romero. We're going to see Davison Sanchez. He'll, I think he'll, he'll play all th- those three, basically. Uh, and the midfield three, who fucking knows? <laughs> I have no idea what he's going to do with that, but maybe Hoiberg, Skip, and Los Celso. So it, it's a good enough lineup, but he hasn't had much time to work with them. So I, I'll say I'll say 1-0 Tottenham uh, going to Goodison Park. It will be a tough game for him, for sure, to start out. Uh, also, during that 9 a.m. time slot on Sunday, Leeds will host Leicester. Are Leeds back, or was it just Norwich? No, Alex. It was just Norwich. You just okay, pumped them 7-0. They so, barely beat them 2-1. So, uh, Leicester bounce back game? Is that what we're thinking? All right. I'll go 2-1 Leicester away at Leeds. That actually is going to be a pretty good game. Um, what, what are you thinking for that one? Yeah, I'll say 3-1 Leicester. Finally, the game that's going to wrap up the weekend and uh, lead us into the November international break for the next two weeks will be West Ham hosting Liverpool Sunday at 11.30 a.m. This game's up there with the Manchester United-Manchester City game in terms of the the two highest level of uh, quality in two opponents. West Ham are on a very good run of form themselves. Uh, they will have a Europa League game uh, between now and that Liverpool they just game. But hyped West uh, Villa four one. I mean, yeah, I mean they were helped by the by the card, the the red card on uh, on Kansa. So, I mean, they were winning before that. It was two one, and then they just sort of broke away and scored the 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 third and fourth goal. Once Villa were kind of hamstrung by that, so I'm not trying to downplay the the. the credit to West Ham in that game. They definitely did very well. And like I said, Declan Rice played like a world-class player in midfield and absolutely dominated. But this Liverpool team, you know, they're fresh off a uh, 2-2 draw at home against Brighton after being up 2-0. They followed that up with a 2-0 win today against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. So maybe you can think that was just sort of a, a blip, but uh, West Ham away is uh, for me, definitely a tougher game than Brighton at home. So uh, I, what are we thinking? What are the chances I, West Ham pull it off? I absolutely think West Ham get a result here. I don't know if they beat Liverpool. Liverpool are in such good form right now. You know, Mohamed Salah, I think Mane and Yota scored today, right? I, it's just, they're at they're, everything's clicking right now for Liverpool. It's difficult to see them losing this game, you know, because as good as West Ham are playing right now, Liverpool are just on a whole nother level, right? So... I want to predict a draw here, but like I have a sneaky feeling that Liverpool are going to eke out like a last-minute win. I'm going to say Liverpool win 2-1, but I think that that's a compliment to West Ham because I don't think, number one, many teams are scoring on Liverpool right now. And, you know, I know that they had that 2-2 with Brighton, but uh, I, I think that 
other than the occasional draw here and there, Liverpool have been pretty pretty awesome this season, and I'm not ready to to stop predicting them to continue that right now. They don't have any injuries. Yeah, the two main the two main reasons that I'm I'm thinking Liverpool win this game. Fabinho and Joel Matip came back into the lineup for this Atletico Madrid game on uh, on Wednesday. While last weekend we saw Ibrahim Konate partner Van Dijk in defense, and I'm not trying to say that them conceding two goals was solely up to Konate, but on the second goal, the the equalizer, he definitely stepped out of uh, out of his position far too early and, and get, left too much space for Trossard to you know drift into and score the equalizer. So Matip has been quietly having a better season than even Van Dyke, I think. He's, you know, just, you know, performance for performance, game by game. Matip has been as good, probably even better than Van Dyke, as Van Dyke has been recovering from this injury and working himself back into fitness. So with him back in the lineup, Fabinho back at the base of midfield, uh, Henderson still fit. I think it, that that's probably a bit too much for Declan Rice alone to overcome. And I think West Ham score and threaten a lot in this game, but I think it ends up being... Uh, Liverpool 3-1. Uh, those returning players are the first reason, and the second reason Liverpool are winning is because uh, there's death, there's taxes, and there's Mo Salah scoring against West Ham. The man has an absolutely absurd record against West Ham. So, uh, home and away. He's scored beautiful goals, bunches of goals at West Ham before. You, if you have him in your fantasy team, just captain him. It's, it's Mo Salah against West Ham. I don't care how good West Ham have become, Mo Salah, and he has this record against other top teams as well. He's got a great record against Chelsea, great record against Everton. He's, uh, yeah, West Ham, it doesn't matter how good they are. Mo Salah is scoring maybe even twice in this game. So, uh, yeah, I'll stick with 3-1 Liverpool. What were you saying, 2-1 Liverpool? Yep, 2-1 Liverpool. All right, well, that about wraps it up for this week. I know we didn't get to talk about, you know, the league leaders, Chelsea, and how we uh, stretched our lead at the uh, the top of the league to three points over Liverpool after last weekend. But yeah, we don't have time we'll, for that, Alex. We don't have time for it's that. It's nonsense we'll, uh, anyway, so we don't need to yeah. talk about You this. know what? Yeah, this is the easy run of the season. I mean, I know Liverpool yeah, you and you City are games. dropping There's points nothing. to teams like yeah. Brighton and Palace. But, you know, we actually take care of our business. We handle our business and get maximum points during runs like this. That's why we're going to win the league. So I need to get a little bit of the Chelsea, uh, the, the Chelsea talk. Yeah, out. that's all right. So, that's all right, Alex. Yeah. You can have a little bit. Javier, thanks again for jumping on the pod. Really appreciate it. And uh, I'm sorry I was so wrong about Arsenal. Arsenal are back. They're going to win three 0 against West or against Watford this weekend. Mark scared of Liverpool the week after that though. Or after the international break, that's scary. We played. Oh Liverpool. yeah, that'll be a we good one. Liverpool maybe we'll, maybe we should bring bring back an old friend for that. Oh, one. we absolutely have to bring him back for that. He's going to be fiery as shit. Let's do it. Andrew, Andrew, if you're listening, yes. open invitation. I'll hit you up. But come back for Arsenal, that. Liverpool, with Arsenal surging back into form, we've got to, we've got to make that happen. But thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Ghost Call Podcast. If you'd like, you can follow us on social media. My Twitter and Instagram is at asmos92. Javier's Twitter is at javierrev9, and the podcast socials are at Ghost Call Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. If you're listening on a podcast app that uh, allows you to rate and review podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you went into whatever form of rating and review process you have on that app and just dropped a rating, dropped a review, good, bad, whatever. We'd really appreciate it. It would 
allows new listeners to find the pod and helps us uh, grow this thing. So thanks again for listening to episode 328 of the Ghost Gold podcast. And until next time, see you.